Welcome again to Life Church today. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's an honor to be with you today as we conclude our series called Red Flags. How many of you have been here nearly every week? I'll give you grace. Nearly every week of this series, yeah? Awesome. Um, well, then you know that like the first week we talked about the lie that we believe that uh, you know anyone else can complete us other than God. And then week two, we talked about the red flags that you might find in a dating relationship. Week three, we talked about uh, the lies we tend to believe in marriage. Last week, we talked about S-E-X. And then this week, this week we are concluding the series talking about how to have a love that lasts. How to have a love that lasts. Is that even possible in 2023 to have a love that makes it to the end? The divorce rate in America is 41% for first-time marriages, 60% for second-time marriages, 73% for third-time marriages. The truth is anyone can fall in love. That part's easy, right? But staying in love, that's the difficult part, staying in love. In fact, I want to take a survey in this room as we begin this message today. Uh, If you've been married 25 years or longer, whether or not your spouse is sitting beside you now, would you stand up in the room? We want to uh, applaud you for that. 25 years, come on. So cool. Would you stay standing if you've been married 40 years or longer? 40 years or longer? There are a few couples in the room. That's so cool. If I was you sitting down, I would try to become friends and have regular dinner with them. You may may be seated. If I were to ask these couples that were just standing, if it was always easy, what do you think they'd say? All right, like I mean, some of you said no a little bit too loud, a little bit too quickly. It, of course not, right? Like there were difficult days, there were difficult seasons. For some people, they're like, yeah, we've been married, we've been happily married for 40 years. The first two were hell on earth, you know, like they, they could respond in that way because marriage isn't always easy. Life isn't always easy. Mark Twain said, no man or woman really knows what perfect love is until they've been married a quarter of a century. What do you think about that? I don't know all of these couples that stood. I know most of them, but I can tell you one thing is true about each and every one of them. They made some tough choices along the way. When facing hardships and frustrations, maybe losing a job, moving across the country, away from family, away from friends, broken hearts, broken dreams, these couples decided in the face of all of it, time and time again, to not give up, to endure to persevere. They made some tough choices, choices that are not always popular, choices that are not always easy, choices that are not always convenient. And the fact is, love is a choice. I know that's not uh, the, it's not the most like, right, uh, Hollywood movie-esque quote that you can take, love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love produces feelings, good feelings, but love is a choice. 
So we're going to open up our Bibles today. We're actually just going to look at a single verse of Scripture that has so much packed into it from the famous chapter of love in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can turn there. Some of you probably use this at your weddings, used uh, this verse or a series of these verses at your wedding. And we're going to look at each of the things that Paul, the Apostle Paul, brings out in true love, what true love is all about. And we're going to learn four choices that we must regularly make in order to have a love that lasts. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. We don't do this often, but I'm going to have you read it with me aloud. It's just a single verse that's going to be on the screens. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Would you read it with me? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes, and... Yeah. Let's go through each of those one at a time. The first thing that we learn from this verse is lasting love extends grace. Lasting love extends grace. We find that there at the beginning of our verse. Our text says, bears all things. Other translations say, love never stops being patient. Love never gives up. And love patiently accepts all things. No relationship is going to last without grace, without patience, without forgiveness. And I think we can all extend grace the first time, right? Most of us are really good at extending grace the first time, but it's the second time that's difficult. The third time, the fourth time, the hundredth time when they're still doing the same thing and they're never going to change. That's when it's difficult to extend grace. When should I extend grace? Three times. You should write this down. Three times I should extend grace. Number one, when their flaws and faults irritate me. When their flaws and faults irritate me. The longer you know somebody, the more intimately you know their flaws, right? Like when you first started dating them, they were perfect. Uh, we even uh, call it the honeymoon phase, the first time where you're dating them or the first you know, few months or years of marriage, even where they were just perfect. And then after a few weeks or months, maybe it took years, you start to notice some things that just get under your skin. Maybe they're habitually late, always late. Maybe, maybe they just chew really loud, like something so inconsequential, right? But you notice it. Stop looking at people. What, uh, like... Maybe, maybe you, you just found out that you actually strongly disagree on a particular topic. And, and, and that thing comes up and you know it's going to get heated. In those moments, you have a choice to make. You can either be critical or gracious. You can be picky or you can be kind. You can be a perfectionist or you can choose to show mercy. The reason why grace is so essential in any relationship is that both of you are imperfect. You're a sinner, they are a sinner, and when two sinners come together in a relationship, they are not going to make a perfect relationship. So grace has to be at the foundation of every relationship. Parents and, and children, brothers and sisters, mothers and dads, boyfriends and girlfriends, co-workers, on and on and on. Grace has to be at the foundation. Proverbs 17, 9 says, disregarding another person's faults preserves love. It's a good proverb. 
disregarding. Sometimes you just have to disregard it. You just have to say, you, you have to ignore it. You have to move on. When their flaws and faults irritate me. That's the first time that you and I need to extend grace. The second time I need to extend grace is when their words or their actions hurt me. Sometimes we do this intentionally. We, we, we try to hurt the people that we love most. That's, that's not good. But I, I think more often than not, we unintentionally say things or do things that hurt or offend the people that we love. We say things we don't mean. We're not thoughtful. We're thinking only about ourselves and not about the, the other person. We're not giving the benefit of the, the doubts. And so we unintentionally say something. We're careless with our words or with our actions. Grace pays attention. Not only to what your loved one says, but to how they act or how they respond. Because you know they could say one thing and be feeling a totally different thing. The reason we sometimes unintentionally hurt each other is, is just because we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention to someone else. We're just thinking about ourselves. We're internal. We're self-focused rather than other focus. The, the, the first responsibility of love is to listen. Is to listen. James 1.9 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So often we get that switched around, right? Instead of being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, we do the opposite. We are quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry. But if we were to just take this verse at heart and do this, I guarantee you 95% of your marriage arguments and disagreements and fights would no longer happen. Because we were being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Can you even remember the last time you were slow to speak? Huh? Can you remember the last time you were quick to actually listen? Not just let them get their peace out, but actually listen. Not just with your ears, but with your hearts. I'm not saying this is easy. Hey, oftentimes this is hard, but it is a choice. It's not an easy, easy choice. It's not a convenient choice. But it's a loving choice. When their flaws and faults irritate me, when their words or actions hurt me, the third time I should extend grace is when they sin. When they sin. The person you love is going to sin. Newsflash. The person that you're married to is a sinner, okay? They're so, hopefully they're saved by grace, but they are, there's something still a little bit broken or maligned on the inside, and so sometimes they're going to sin. They're going to sin against you. They're going to sin against others. They're going to sin against themselves. They're always going to sin against God. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. A great marriage is simply the union of two great forgivers. I have a wonderful, wonderful marriage, and it's not because Kara never messes up, and it's certainly not because I never mess up. We just determined early on that when I sin, Kara is able to look at me and say, that sin is not who you are, I forgive you. I'm able to look at her and say, that sin is not who you are. That sin does not define you. I forgive you. 
What is a relationship that you're currently in that you can make the choice to extend more grace to this week? Write, write someone's name down. Write, write their name down right now. Maybe you need to write it down in your phone, write it down in your notes. Who can you extend more grace to this week? If you want to have a love that lasts, you must extend grace. That's what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. The second thing that we find is this. Lasting love expresses trust. Lasting love expresses trust. Look back at our text. We see love bears all things. The second thing that Paul says is that love believes all things. Lasting love expresses trust. Other translations say, say that love always trusts, love never loses faith, and love never stops believing. I think there's a song like that. Again, this is a, this is a choice. You have to choose to trust people. In fact, love is built on trust. If you can't trust people, you will never learn to love and you will never learn to be loved. If you hope to have a love that lasts forever, you have to be willing to trust one another. There are three kinds of people when it comes to this. There are gullible people, cynical people, and loving people. Gullible people, they trust Anything and everything, every single time, no matter what. Gullible people. And then, you've got, and then you've got cynical people. They trust nothing and they trust nobody every single time. And then you've got loving people who give the benefit of the doubt, who believe the best in others. I have a question. You don't have to answer this aloud. But do you think it's wise or foolish to trust people? Your answer to that, to that question is going to tell you a lot about your future happiness. I get it. Distrust is a means of protecting your heart, right? It's, it's a means of guarding your emotions. Many of you have been hurt by lies and broken promises and, 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 and people that just meant to do you harm. We all have at one time or another, but I would actually argue that you will harm yourself less in life by being too trusting than by being too distrustful. Why? Because love believes all things. It always trusts and never loses faith. There's a moment in the the Gospels, in the New Testament, where Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth, and he's trying to do what he normally does and teach and preach and perform miracles. But scripture says that he could not do any miracles while, while he was there because of their lack of faith. Did you hear me? It's not because of Jesus' lack of faith that he's unable to do miracles. It's because of the lack of faith of the people around Jesus that he was unable, Jesus was unable to perform miracles. If that's true of Jesus, how much more true is it about you and I? If people don't trust you, you can't do as much. If You don't feel the trust of other people. You're not as empowered or fulfilled or capable of doing what you could have done otherwise. And when you don't fully trust other people, you are limiting them. Again, if this is true of Jesus, the Son of God, it certainly is true of you and me. We are held back by the distrust, by the lack of faith of other people. 
If you want a love that lasts forever, you need to express trust over and over and over and over again. Answer this question, what could your spouse, what could your, your loved one have done, what could they have accomplished if you would have simply trusted them more? What could they have done? What could they have become? Who could they now be? If you would have trusted them. If you would have said, listen, I don't know how, how, how we're going to accomplish that. I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're going to meet or exceed all of the dreams that you have. But I am behind you 100%. I believe in you. Now I know some of you are thinking, what does this 20-year-old kid on the stage know about trust? He, he doesn't know about my situation. He doesn't know about what I've been through. First of all, I'm, I'm 35. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. Secondly, you're right. I don't know about your particular situation. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the lies you've been told. But I do know that when trust has been irreparably broken and you cannot trust your spouse... Trust God. When your spouse has broken every violation, every boundary known to man, you trust God who is more worthy of your trust. Before you give up in a relationship, give God a chance. Let God step into the relationship. Let God do what he's going to do in order to change your spouse and to change you. Psalm 62, verse 8 says, Trust in God at all times. Pour your heart out to him, for God is our refuge. Not your spouse, not your loved one. So many of us are looking for, for that kind of protection, that kind of soul satisfaction in our spouse. And we've already talked about that in this series. That is impossible. That is a losing battle. They can provide many things, but only God can provide that, that sense and source of refuge, of protection. Lasting love extends grace. Lasting love expresses trust. Third, lasting love expects the best. Our verse in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7 says, Love bears all things, love believes all things, and here we are, love hopes all things. Other translations say love is always hopeful, love always looks for the best, and love never stops hoping. Here's the problem. The, the longer you are in a relationship with an imperfect person, the more likely you are to expect the worst and not the best because you know their downsides more than anybody else. But when you start expecting the worst in your loved one, you are setting yourself up for a self-fulfilling prophecy. People tend to rise or fall to their level of expectation. What are you expecting from your husband? What are you expecting from your wife, from your, from your kids? What are you expecting from yourself? We tend to fulfill the expectations of the people around us. And you, you don't change bad behavior to good behavior by telling someone that they're bad. That's why week after week, we're up here telling you the good news. Now, we don't start with the bad news, and we don't dwell on the bad news. We tell you the good news and what you could become. 
You change bad behavior, behavior by helping people see a picture of what they could become. Here's the key. You want to become a good lover? You want to become a good mate? Treat people the way you want them to become. Many years ago, I was sitting in a church service. It was similar to this one, but we had a guest speaker that day, and I remember her teaching on the subject of relationships and trust, and I distinctly remember this preacher unveiling her secret to protecting her heart, guarding her heart from brokenness. She said, I have found the secret to never having a broken heart. I never expect anything from anybody. And, And everybody laughed in that moment. I remember sitting there like dumbfounded at the statement, at the response, why? Like, why would you have that kind of disposition? Why would you live your life in that kind of way? That I didn't say it, but that's what my heart was saying. I, I just remember it saying, what happened to, the, to, to believing the best for someone? What happened to finding the good in others? Listen, I would much rather live my life trusting others, not living in fear that someone is going to stab me in the back. I want to love so deeply and trust so deeply that I welcome wounds. Don't mishear me. I I don't want wounds. No one wants wounds. I, I, I don't want those. But I want to live in such a way that those closest to me could easily wound me. I mean, after all, isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that how Jesus lived his life? Weren't some of his closest friends those that would lie about him? Those that would disown him in the most serious of moments when he needed the most wasn't one of them the one that would betray him. Who can you love like Jesus this week? Who can you choose to expect the best from? Again, write their name down. Maybe maybe send them a text. Maybe you catch yourself in a moment of doubt this week. Or, Or maybe you intentionally seek out ways to put hope into them, like a piggy bank, right? Just putting hope into their bank, filling them up. This is how you get a lasting love. Lasting love extends grace. It expresses trust. It expects the best. And finally, lasting love endures the worst. The verse in its entirety says, love bears all things. It believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. It doesn't just extend, it doesn't just express or expect, it endures. It is persistent, it is determined, it is diligent and resolute. It refuses to quit. Other translations say that love always perseveres, love endures through every circumstance, and love never gives up. This past week, our campus pastors were reviewing the the sermon outline. We were going over it together in one of our meetings, and Pastor Dan, our Appleton campus pastor, he jokingly asked, why are we ending on such a downer, right? Like, oh, if, if anything else, if anything else, it endures the worst, it makes it to the end. Right? We're in, why are we ending our whole series on, on that? First of all, Dan, we are following 
we're following the, the verse outlined in scripture, so take it up with Paul and God. Secondly, I don't see this as a downer. Man, this is so hopeful that enduring the worst means that no matter what life throws at us, no matter how difficult this might be for better and for worse, huh? for richer and for poorer, in sickness and in health, we're gonna make it. Like no matter what, we're not gonna give up. We're not going to quit on each other. Like why quit on you just to go be with someone else that's, that's also equally going to upset and frustrate me? If I'm gonna be frustrated, I'll just be frustrated with you for the rest of my life. I mean, jokingly, but there's something true about that, right? Like. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it, you stay in that relationship and you pour in to that relationship. Lasting love endures the worst, it refuses to give up. We end our series here because this is what matters most. Because you're, you're a human, you're gonna mess up at times. You're not going to express trust when you need to. You're not gonna extend grace when you need to, right? Like you're, 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 you're going to mess it up. But as long as you don't mess this one up, as long as you endure, as long as you stick it out, as long as you refuse to quit. Listen, I, 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 maybe someone, not someone, maybe God brought someone here this morning through the snow and the lack of hour to hear this one message this morning, maybe one word, right? That, that you came in this morning and your marriage is on the rocks, your relationship is on the rocks and you're just thinking about giving up. Maybe God brought you here today to hear one single word from me. Don't. Don't give up. It is always more rewarding to restore a relationship than to run from it. And I don't know about the particulars of your situation, but I do know that we serve a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. God forgives again and again and again and again. He doesn't give up on us. In fact, each of these four descriptions of lasting love describes how Jesus loves you. Lasting love extends grace. Well, Jesus extends grace to you. He died for you. Jesus expresses trust in you. He gives you the freedom, the liberty to make choices, good or bad, him or otherwise. Jesus expects the best from you. Like he knitted you together. He knows what you're capable of. He invites you to take part in his mission on earth. Jesus endures the worst. Not only on the cross, but he, he, he never gives up on you. He's fighting for you today. Some of you have been away from God for a long time. He's waiting for you to come home. Maybe you're feeling this heaviness in your heart this morning, but that's a weight that only God can lift. In a moment, we're going to pray. And there can be a beautiful exchange, a divine exchange where you give God your burden and your grief and your weariness and your frustration and the hangups and the hurts of your marriage. 
And God, in exchange, can give you grace and peace and mercy and forgiveness and wholeness. If you want to be able to love people in the way that Jesus loves you, you won't possibly be able to do it on your own, in your own ability and by your own power. In order to love people the way that Jesus loves you, you need the love of Jesus in you. You don't just need to imitate him, you need him to inhabit your heart. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? God, we pray this morning for those that are hurting, those that are broken, those that are lonely. God, I pray that you would step in to their lives, that you would invade their heart, and that this morning you would bring hope. God, help us today to learn this lesson of love, to feel your grace so that we can extend it to others, to understand the freedom that you've given us so that we can give it to others, to realize you don't tear us down, you build us up, help us to do the same. God, help us to be reminded that you never give up on us, and so we're not going to give up on those that we love. God, if nothing else in this series, would you strengthen relationships, strengthen marriages, strengthen friendships, strengthen relationships today. For those that do not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that in this moment, they would welcome you in. God, you would change their lives. Jesus' name we pray.